over a decade of experience in video games, and all he has to show for it is this stupid podcast. It's Behind the Line Radio, with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now. Hello everyone and welcome to Behind the Line Radio, a podcast about the making of video games, the business of video games, and the people of the video games industry. I'm your host, Kinetic, aka Nick. With me as always is Baron Fang, or Jeff, how are you doing today? Excellent, how are you? I'm okay. And while we usually talk about video games, we're going to be um, video game adjacent today. Talking about... <laughs> <laughs> talking about this is really a sequel to our previous episode uh, about managing your personality as a brand and to join us to talk about this is chris how are you doing today chris i'm doing great thanks nick cool so a quick recap of our previous conversation at, at least in in topic not necessarily diving all the way into the content but um a while ago uh, YouTuber JonTron got into a rather politically charged debate that was shared with a bunch of people, and uh, Jeff and I discussed uh, some of the implications of that, how uh, you as a person, if you are your own product, how do decisions like that of what you present to other people affect you as your own product? Um, this was actually uh, around the same time as the first... Um, well, I suppose now you can describe it as the first uh, PewDiePie <laughs> racial controversy with the, uh, what, Fiverr, and he had people holding up signs yeah. in a language they didn't understand, but they were anti-Semitic. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but now, now we get we get to revisit this, because um, PewDiePie has, has uh, dropped an N-bomb on <laughs> a, uh, a stream that he was playing. And I wrote about this this week. And because, I mean, there's a ton of people who will write about exactly, you know, the implications of the word itself and, and all of that. And I, I always try to look at, there's so many people who will jump in on that and so many people who will talk about it more eloquently and more effectively than I ever could. Mm -hmm. So I like to try to think of these things from a slightly different angle. And that's kind of what I was writing about it there about the sort of cultural implications of these things. But it is also a good conversation to continue from our previous conversation. So, Chris, as the guest, um, I'll give you the first word. Ah, well, well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, I mean, I, you know, like I had mentioned to you before, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this conversation because, you know, brand management, um, you know, in the video game industry or really, really any industry, uh, you know, is, is super important if you're trying to get beyond, you know, being just kind of a one product um, kind of company or something like that. So you always have to manage that brand and you always need to be really focused on, you know, how you are affecting that brand. Um, but as you guys, you know, talked about last time, and, and I 100% agree, the, the dynamic becomes even more important when you are that brand. Um, one thing that I was thinking about when I was um, kind of, you know, reading up on on the uh, the different issues and things like that is, but you also need to keep in mind of kind of, you know, who is your your base and who are you playing to, um, and and if there's a line there, right? Because I think you know what we're seeing with with certain people with personal brands are, 
you know, are they crossing a line with their uh, their people, their demographic? And um, I mean, you know, you mentioned PewDiePie. I mean, yeah, you know, he had done the thing with the signs, but, you know, he's done a lot of stuff. You know, in 2011, what he used the Swedish word for the N word. Um, oh, my. And, I didn't even yeah, know about that one. Yeah, that that was an older one. And And quite frankly, you know, he uses... Um, you know, a lot of different terms to kind of ridicule people like autistic and retard and gay and things like that. And, th- and that's been playing to his base, which is, is kind of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the trolling base. It's, it's those people who troll. Um, and what does that turn into? Um, I think that in itself is an interesting conversation because, you know, trolling used to be kind of, uh, you know, good natured fun. And now it's turned more into that bullying area. And I toxic think, is the word I, I usually hear apply to that sort of transition. Exactly, hmm. exactly. You know, uh, t- turned into a, a toxic place where, you know, uh, you know, the three of us have seen this multiple times, and, and your audience, I'm sure, of of now trolling is really more synonymous with bullying and being mean to people and, and seeing how you can really, really um, aggravate them. And um, so it was okay with this base, but now now we've gone over a certain line. And um, I think we're seeing this in society where, you know, right now, you know, we're globally kind of looking at these, especially especially at these racially charged lines where um, it's still very um, taboo and and hard to discuss. It's hard to have conversation. It feels hard. I'm not sure if it really is hard, but hard to have those discussions. So um, when we go that route, you know, both of these guys hit those those places hard and didn't real kind of apologize, but kind of. You know, LOL, I was just kidding, or you just misunderstood me. Um, because also they can't truly apologize because then it would be going against their base and their brand. So I, I find it very interesting when thinking about those pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, commenting about their uh, the base, that's another thing that I've mentioned a number of times is, you know, when you play to your base, if you continue to play to your base – uh, are, are you focusing on that? And I think I'm, I think we talked about this last time too. Do, do you continue to play to your base and it gets harder and harder core, or do you start to, or, or is it part of your um, makeup to to try to appeal to other people as well? Mm, exactly. Does that, does that anger your base, or is there a point where like you play to your base and it and it transform it, it eventually takes on that toxic nature by being so insular that right. it um uh and this is what I talk about in the mold like there's a uh, uh, my articles about my my the, the term the mold where eventually mm-hmm. everybody within the community expects so much similar thinking and similar points of view that they transition over from being welcoming to being uh yes. uh, uh toxic um, yes. exclusive of others and so forth yeah d- uh definitely i um you know i I was thinking back, you know, and I heard this conversation somewhere lately where, you know, you think of th- this kind of online um, show format that started this, started this in many ways is, is Howard Stern, right? And mm. you look at his brand, and again, his brand is him, but, you know, we were talking about the difference of the art versus the, the, the artistry. If you look, he's, he's become even more... Um, uh, you know, irreverent and, and toxic, you know, throughout his time on his show and pushed people to be even more toxic and horrible um, because he, you had to do greater and greater things or you got boring 
mm-hmm. and and the, and your your people move off. And I think that's what we're we're talking about here when it comes to the brand of, um, you know, what's what's the best for a brand, not just for the person, you know, or, or the what's best for the brand. The, the the best thing for a brand is to grow, which means being inclusive, and and kind of finding other areas. Um, you know, to build upon, um, you know, just like Howard Stern, you know, he's not as popular as he was, you know, say 15 years ago. Um, and I think, well, I, I think, think some, some of that has to do with transitioning to satellite radio and he's no longer <laughs> as accessible. So, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, that, that kind of underscores yeah. the point. If, if you're, if you're more exclusive, either in terms of your content <laughs> or in terms of, uh, your delivery. Right. Right. Exactly. And Jeff, so, do you have something to say there? Yeah. Well, he's going to – well, for one, he had a sweetheart deal up front, so he, he could run the show into the ground and wouldn't care. <laughs> and uh, he's you know he's sort of uh, transcended the wor- worries about uh, popularity uh, – wider popularity in one sense in that it's a subscription model Very true. that, that yeah. he's on. And I, we might get into that later. Like you know, so, some people have avoid, avoided the whole – how do how do I monetize this with advertisers uh, thing by just s- saying okay here's my audience and I'm going to monetize it directly and the moment you've done that successfully <laughs> do you really give a crap about being <laughs> inclusive anymore? That's a beautiful if you, point. If you if you're making enough to live on and anyway at, at that point does it become more about just not whittling it away uh, <laughs> inadvertently <laughs> or otherwise? But uh, I don't know. As right. long as YouTube is part of this discussion, um, th- then we have to. I guess we have to consider it from advertiser model and, and subscription. subscription model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- there's also. Um, uh, act- I have no idea how true any of this is. I haven't looked into it too deeply, but the whole YouTube adpocalypse thing. I mean, there's those who would believe that uh, the first PewDiePie thing was uh, an instigator. Of that, of having a whole bunch of uh, 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 videos get demonetized or, or the advertising rates going way down, and, and for PewDiePie to um, be at the center of uh, uh, another event like this, people are just like, I, I've seen people say he, he's taking everybody else down with him. And I don't know if that's true, but sometimes it, my point being, you have to consider a sort of the ecology that you're working in as well. So if um, uh, a particular genre, I'm not coming up with a fully formed uh, example in my head all at once here, but if a particular genre of video games started getting super, super toxic and started just shoving all the other players out like aggressively, right? Uh, is that is that what would that do to the game? What would that do to the games community? And what would that wind up doing to the genres community or even video games in general? Well, yeah, I think you bring up a good point there. Uh, you know, I mean, one thing that you've got to look at, uh, at these, these people are, um, you know, they're actors, right? And, you know, part of, part of what is going on here is art. Part of it is, is the real person. And it's that mixing of it that we get confused about. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, um, when, that one those big names get out there right i mean we all um we all know these names even people who are not really familiar and in a way they're speaking for the influencer uh, group and even though it's really just it you know a small group it it becomes kind of that enlarged voice and and so now 
people think, oh, man, all these guys are, you know, they're jerks or, or you know, why are we even listening to them or, or something like that? Um, so I, I think it can it can definitely hurt um, that influencer market. I, you know, being someone who has built out uh, influencer programs um, within companies and, and, and run community teams, um, you know, the one thing that we were starting to look at really clearly was going for these actually large influencers um, you know, to, to use as as a, a marketing uh, device, we were getting away from because they do have these problems with with them. Um, they're not really getting you as much for your marketing dollars, and actually going to kind of the mid tier influencers um, who most times dial it back. You know, they're they're not quite as crazy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, so, maybe because maybe because they have a hope of being a larger influencer, and they don't want, they don't true. want to kill the and, gold, and, they don't want to kill the golden goose before they get there. Yeah, so that that goes back to the question of you get to a certain size, does it turn toxic? I you know I don't know I I think it has to also do with a certain amount of narcissism, um, you know, and and again when you when you combine your who you are and you, you your brand, I mean, think about all those people out here that, that you know like that, you know, all the all the Kardashians, right? They are their brand. Or one of my favorites is is Paris Hilton, who is really just, you know, ha- is talentless, right? But she <laughs> she became a brand, and people even still know her as a brand. And um, but they're all narcissistic, like crazy. And um, and and I think I think in the back of their head, you know, like someone mentioned to me, um, especially about the PewDiePie and, and using the N word thing. And, and, and when you watch the um, the video. It's not like he, you know, looks into the into the camera and says the word. It's 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 used almost as a kind of flippant, kind of off thing. Like, oh, I, I you know, I just said this. And and when you think about like, and at first people are like, oh, well, that then it shouldn't be a big deal. You know, it's it's not like he was being taken to, but it's more like, oh, that's who he is. And that's the problem with some of these brand people. I think mm-hmm. even the thing that happened with 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 John Trent. That's the real person. I think the art is the goofiness and, and pushing it and being loud and stupid voices and blah, blah, blah. That's the art. But when they slip in this extra piece, that's who they are. And then now you, I, you have to determine like, oh, no, I thought the funny stuff was great and, and I was all good with that. But now I can't agree with this part that may be who this human being is. Yes. Hmm. Uh, it, it, everything from – uh, uh, someone like a YouTuber. Cause you mentioned Paris Hilton. I mean, I think most people, or the Kardashians, I think most people would look at just about anything they do and see it as uh, constructed, you know, artificial. Like, sure. you know, the, 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 the Paris Hilton mugshot that looks just <laughs> like every other picture. You know, there's the, right. the Paris Hilton never changes facial expressions. Right, know, right. You know, Um Whereas if you look at it from, say, a YouTuber or some other form of inf- like influencer of, of lower middle tier, mm. um, you don't expect them to have that level of um, uh, preparation or construction around them. Right. So everything comes across more sincere. If everything comes across yes. more sincere, then you kind of accept that whatever you're seeing is who they are. And then if you yes. have a moment like that, then everyone says, well, yeah, that – that must be who they are, you know? And so if, and then if they are mixing something that they are uh, preparing and constructing with, you know, let's 
without meaning to diminish it, call it uh, a, a, a dropping of the guard or a, a, a moment of, of uh, poor decision making. Right. A, a compromised executive function. <laughs> Uh, whether it's this or someone else doing something, uh, it all comes across more sincere, and and that then colors everything else that was more constructed. Yeah, I I, I think you kind of nailed it on the head because um, you know especially working with different tiers of of influencers, one of the one of the most important things and why um, you know marketers use influencers is for that sincerity. What it's supposed to feel like, whether it's the truth or not, is you know, your your buddy that that you really like and your pals with is going, try this thing because I'm doing this thing and it's great and you should love it. Right? It's that sincerity and that relationship, which is why marketers go there, right? You don't you don't get that uh, relationship from billboards or from TV or from radio or, or you know really internet ads, um, even though they try. <laughs> It's, it's, that's, that's it. So when, and then you build up and then their shows and things like that become more prepared because they want a more polished product. And so that it starts going up level by level by level. And then you're right. There's, there's a moment of sincerity and people still believe that like, okay, that's him. Like, and that's why I think it is hard for these, especially these two guys to come back, um, and, and go, oh, you know, I was just kidding. That was the art. When it was like, it, it didn't feel like the art. It felt like the, sinc- uh, the sincere human being there. Um, and, and especially since I, I think where it lacked that sincerity on, on both of them, both of them came back and basically said, no, 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 that's not what I meant, or I'm a good guy, or I was just kidding. And, and it's like, oh, no, no, no. The, the sincere piece may have came back and gone, you know what? I, I rethought about this. And um, I listened to to you, my community, and, you know, maybe I wasn't totally right. So the sincere moment would have been maybe learning from mm. it instead of defending it. Hmm. So I, I actually I have a question off of that. So uh, from your role reaching out to influencers to, to get some advertising or marketing out of it, do they ever have any or is in the business there any sort of agreement about um, what kind of in, uh, behavior they'll engage in publicly, like you know, I because with so many things in life, I I keep finding that it comes back to having a professional attitude kind of makes a whole lot of problems go away. Right. Like you know, if you're a professional when you're on the job, you won't drop epithets. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> or you hope not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I, 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 I won't do it here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't use it in my life. I have trouble imagine, and that's part of the problem too. I have trouble imagining any situation where I would use the word unless it was some, you know, forced quote. In which case, I would probably still use it ob- right. uh, obliquely. Yes. Um, but why? why it, because I would imagine, like, there would be a whole bunch of people who might try to reach out to someone like a PewDiePie or a JonTron to try to get some influencer cred. I, I don't even know if they do that stuff. Mm. I don't really care. Mm. Right. Well, actually, no, I do know because there was the whole Star Wars thing with JonTron that we were talking about last time. He had a huge video series on this. I know they do it. But right. would, would would Disney reach out to JonTron now? Or uh, when they reached out to him before, was there some, like, I will not engage in this kind of behavior publicly? You know? 
and and that and this is only in terms of of what's in public cuz cuz there's a big difference between okay let's let's uh let's pivot and talk about Mel Gibson <laughs> <laughs> there's a big difference between Mel Gibson like right you know and and you can you can debate about the contents of, of the themes of his movies true but at least you can say it wasn't like overt Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 you could you could certainly argue that certain things were parallel, but you wouldn't say that it was necessarily overt. And he didn't go on press tours overtly saying things. And True. there are reports of him in private saying things. Yes, uh, that really changes how the perception from the public would respond to it. You know, like oh man, this is not a very good dude. I, I, At least some people would react to it that way. I don't mean to be, you know, projecting anything on anyone, right, uh, no matter right. no matter how obvious you might think it is. It's just not what I'm trying to do here. I'm bringing this up as a more of a thought experiment example. Uh, I, yeah. I think you bring up a good point, even even uh, uh, you know him as well. Where um, man, you know, I love the Lethal Weapon movies. You know, they're they're freaking awesome, and and you know, kind of grew up on them, and then. When I heard his personal rantings, um, really, since that time, and, and he's gone on, I think, like two, I think, that became out public, you know, and it really changed my mind on him. And it's funny, like, I'll be going through Netflix and, and, and I'm like, ah, you know, no, nah, I don't think I am going to watch it just because of that. So mentally, yes, it has, you know, kind of uh, changed my brand to to your former um, question, though, as far as you know, uh, uh, some kind of clauses, um, that, that when you're working with guys, um, for one-off stuff, there really isn't anything like that because you're, you're really doing kind of like, a, I'm going to do a one-off campaign with this guy. I'm going to pay him this amount of money. Um, we do give some kind of, you know, basic rules of, you know, things that we, we, you know, we hope we don't want to hear are are if you're cursing in these, um, that's not something that, you know, represents our brand. Um, you know, we, we do say be honest about the, uh, the product. They don't, uh, we don't want like unfair, we don't want them to lie or anything like that. So, you know, different pieces like that. Um, you know, and, and obviously now these days, you know, having to, t- uh, tell also that it's an advertisement, uh, in some form or another sponsored, um, <laughs> you know, piece. Uh, obviously that's now super yeah. important as well, yeah. uh, which PewDiePie knows, but, um, <laughs> Now, at the same time, when you're when you start looking at the the bigger picture, like if you're going to, you know, have these influencers um, fully embedded into an influencer program where they're going to now they're really representing the brand before they're representing a product. Now you're like, okay, um, you are going to work with us, you know, pretty much you're going to work with us solely. Um, we're going to, you know, you're going to work on a bunch of different products. That's where, you know, contractually, um, especially the bigger companies are going to have that in there. Like you specifically, you mentioned, uh, Disney, you know, Disney has very, very tight contracts, um, on their stars or in, and everything that like, while you're, um, with them, you can't do certain things, which is why you actually see all like the <laughs> Disney actresses and actors, you know, go out and just do the most crazy thing immediately when that contract ends. <laughs> It's uh, it seems a bit telling, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I I think one of the sort of topics that that we've kind of touched on or danced around the the, the concept here is separating the the art from the artist, mm-hmm. you know, 
And I, I think there's even an example that's going to be coming up here um, with uh, the news that came out about Joss Whedon and the Justice League movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, how many people, and this is, again, not ex- this is a rhetorical question, um, how many people are fans of Joss Whedon because of um, they, they, they think he's just an all-around good guy? I right. Mean, in addition to making good work. Right. <laughs> but but how how many how many fans of him are influenced as fans of him as a person going to be impacted by accusations of not exactly being uh, the most enlightened person, shall we say, when it comes to women? Um. Yeah. I. You know. And that was another one. I have to admit because. Uh, you know, for for years and years and years, you know, he has had this reputation. And, and it makes us feel good, right? It's like not only is this this person who is making great art and shows that we we just love for years and years and years, and and um, and he, and he's a good guy. Like that makes us feel good. Like oh yeah, okay, you know we're on the right side. And then you find out that you know there's a possibility he may not be that good guy. And I and I thought about this a lot. And um, it's funny. This is where I was kind of talking earlier about like drawing the line. And a lot of, a lot of times that line is very personal for us of, um, you know, it, okay. Is, is he, uh, you know, misogynistic? Do, does it, does it mean, you know, do we boycott things? Do we, uh, you know, I don't really know. And it's something that even I have to internalize and kind of work on of, of if we want to be better people, you know, what does that look like? Would a boycott even work? I mean, like a boycott of his movies. So you become a better person. Like that doesn't even make a whole lot of sense. So <laughs> it's, it's a really difficult one sometimes to, to wrap my head around. Um, but even as you were kind of saying, like the, the, the artist and, and, and the art, um, you know, I watch a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know if you watch, oh, what's the, the history of comedy. Um, uh, one of the shows that I really enjoy cause they, they really kind of delve into the comedy and what they, they say is, you know, the art, the comedy is really infused with who they are a lot of times. And it's and even though they take, you know, who they are and they're expanding on it to the nth degree, to that that funny degree, it is a part of them. So sometimes it's really hard. And, you know, um, they kept on saying, like, you'll hear a lot of actually kind of crazy stuff from comedians because they're pushing the limits so hard to know where to pull back. Um, but, you know, we've seen. You know, uh, uh, comedians go too far, you know, and then they have to kind of apologize. But do we hate them? Is their brand ruined? Um, I think Kathy Griffin may say that her brand may possibly be ruined, or at least, you know, as long as, as Trump is in the in the White House. Um, but maybe it comes back. Like, I don't really know. Uh, or or uh, uh, Michael Richards. Yeah, yes, actually, <laughs> that, that, that was actually one of the ones that I was thinking of um, specifically. Yeah, you know, I mean, we loved, I, you know, I love Seinfeld. I loved Kramer. Um, I love was, UHF. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> exactly. But then, you, you, you know, you, you hear that rant when he was doing it. It was like, oh, man, like, how does that come out of his, how did it come out of his mouth? And that didn't even sound funny. That sounded like a, very much more of the kind of the PewDiePie side of, is this the real him? Like, it's it's disappointing. And you know, we all hope for society to grow and be better. I think that that's one piece of this. And, and and in one way or another, you know, everybody hopes that. It's just we have different directions of going there. And when you see these things, it's like 
it, it becomes very human experiences of, oh man, you know, we are all growing. Like I'm not perfect. You know, no one's perfect. Um, and how hard do we judge people on that? Um, can be very tough. And, and I, again, that comes back to that line, but when it comes to a brand, it's even more important because you can just destroy a brand. It can just literally, uh, especially when it's your personal brand, just go up and smoke. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> and, and I, actually I'd say there's a, a point there to be made about if you're going to express something like this is that the artist demanding something from the audience. I mean, if, if, and it gets a little sticky if you're talking about, say, uh, Michael Richards as a stand-up comedian. Okay, you're you're only affecting him versus Joss Whedon, who, uh, in terms of Justice League, okay, that is something that would affect uh, all the other actors, all of the other crew, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and editors, all this stuff, cameramen, everything on the project. And the previous director, because he's coming in on this late. Are you gonna? Is that gonna impact you going out to see? Justice League, or, and and this is what I think a lot of people get caught up on when thinking about this stuff, everyone tends to want to think of things as either binary or one-dimensional, when so many things are more complicated than that, you know? This, yeah. This, I, I think what it really comes down to, I mean, pe- a lot of people, and this is where things get really sticky if you're talking about, oh, we want to boycott this thing. Well, okay, if you want to boycott this, you have to do all of this indirect stuff to try to do that. Right. Um, really, it's more along the lines of you would need, or in terms of thinking, you have like it. It's more like a scale. Like, okay, this is a point against. Are there other points for to counterbalance this, or is this is tipping me into Nate? Like, you know, again, let's go Justice League. Like, okay, we got a ray of hope in Wonder Woman. That's a point four. Right. But then there was Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, Batman versus <laughs> Superman. Those are points against. Uh, yes. Early reviews. <laughs> Earlier reviews for Justice League seem to be looking positive, so that's a point for Joss Whedon's news. Is that a point against? Well, every individual is going to have to make that judgment call for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, then you start diving deeper into your own perceptions of the cast and, and what have you. The, do you even like the characters and whatnot? I mean, because I, I know, for example, Judge Gregg is going to go see this and... I, I have I have difficulty imagining any uh, sequence of events that would get Greg to not see a DC movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you'd have to have Roman Polanski signing up to direct one of the DC films for <laughs> for, for Greg to even take notice of the behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, but but can you see that happen? Like, what what movie would that be? I'm just wow. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. Okay, <laughs> okay. He does DC. <laughs> okay, here's a question, and I, I suppose this would be a little bit of a quiz. Uh, Greg, when you hear this, I want you to put out a tweet saying what sequence of events or elements might get you to skip a DC movie. <laughs> that that's a great. I and I don't know what that would be. I I you know kind of thinking the same thing. Um, and, and again, it becomes that art and how much you love it. I, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, um, you know, people sometimes die on movies and stuff like that. Do we? Do we not? Hey, know? oh no, like, that's actually another one. Someone died on Deadpool too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Someone died on on Deadpool too. Now, um, I haven't heard any you know legal stuff going on, and and honestly, I I felt um, 
you know, I mean, he may have had a publicist do it or whatever, but the, the Ryan Reynolds um, tweet regarding it, I thought was very respectful and very kind. Um, you know, again, don't know if he wrote it or not, but, you know, so it's like, oh, so now is it OK? Like, like you said, it, it becomes a personal choice and really on any kind of brand. You know, it, it's like when you get disappointed, it, um, you know, did people drink less? Uh, what was it? Uh, Pepsi? Because was it uh, uh, Kylie did that horrible commercial um, you know, giving the, the Pepsi, the cop, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't drink Pepsi anyway, so it, 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 it didn't really matter to me. I just kind of looked at it like, uh, you know, whatever, another, you know, another thing or, um, has the news about, uh, uh, Cosby affected your Coke consumption then? Uh, <laughs> not, nor am I putting pop consumption. Um, I, I, I don't think it can even affect your Kodak use anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but at the but at the same time, and and you bring up an interesting thing is, um, I, I know on cable on one station, I don't even really know which one. I believe they're they're playing like all the Cosby things, and. I grew up on Cosby and, and, you know, very honestly loved it, thought it was a great show and now feel way too uncomfortable to watch it again. Um, yeah. So you can destroy, you know, and he had a personal brand. I mean, it's the same thing. Your personal brand can go up in smoke depending on on what cultural lines we pass at the time. You know, I mean, and cultural lines shift, um, you know, every generation. Um in general, which is the great thing, and I think a positive thing for our country is, is if you look, they pretty much shift in a, po you know, if you look at full generations, they shift in a positive way. Um, sometimes they creep back. I mean, I think we're having a resurgence of things that we don't really want to see, but but it'll creep forward again, and, and we'll keep. Hey, on hey, now forward. that might be a little bit of a controversial statement. There. <laughs> no, it, it could, it could be, it could be to, to some people, and I, and I understand that, and um, but I. I and really, because really what I'm saying is whatever those culture norms are, you know, people are trying to become more inclusive. I mean, if you look at kids today, you know, they they are trying to do a lot of positive things. And I think that's that's really great to see. But but those cultural norms move. And so when a brand crosses those, when they when they do something wrong like that, it really it really hurts them. Mm. I, I do wonder, though, like, uh, would we even be having this conversation if there weren't dollars and cents? affected by it like in the case in the case of, of pewdiepie or anyone else who's done something like that you know a certain a certain number of people well actually let's let's take the mel gibson example that you, you used earlier chris like a certain number yeah, yeah. of people are going to have the same experience that you did of like going through netflix and seeing a bunch of uh, mel gibson films lined up um and a certain number of people are going to have your reaction and skip them, and then a certain percentage are, are probably just going to sh shrug and, and go on and watch right. it. You apply that to YouTube, and well, like a lot of things in life, there's nuance between individuals. Some people are going to go one way, some people are going to go another. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that it's difficult to expect advertisers to be able to tolerate that level of nuance. That's that's a lot to ask. <laughs> of a corporation i think i think they have to see things in a little more risk averse black and white terms uh you know they can't they can't necessarily just say eh, some people like it some people won't and we're just going to have a, a shot and throw dollars at it um you know take take that that consideration out of it and i don't know that there would even be a lot uh, of 
unending controversy about this, but uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't get the sense that corporations are are able to sit there and weigh the positive and, and negative the same way that people are want to in their day to day lives. Oh, oh, you're you're a hundred percent right there. I I mean, um, you know, business entity, entities, um, especially smart ones who have a solid brand. Um, to them, it is it's black and white. You know, you have crossed this cultural norm. You know, we are not going to align with that because um, the thing is, and, and in this day and age, it does happen very, very quickly. Um, I mean, look at look at um, uh, Bill O'Reilly. You know, what took down Bill O'Reilly was, um, you know, his his actions came out, but it was the advertisers who quickly said, we don't align with that. We're out of here. And, and really, that's what got him fi- uh, fired in the uh, end um, because it was money. Right. And. And so I think I think you're 100 percent right there of, you know, and, and would we would we be continuing to, to watch that? I, you know, I I don't know if, if he was if there wasn't money involved and the, you. Yeah. You, you know, there, there's actually kind of two points that, that can come off of that. Uh, one, the money coming from from larger companies, advertising, whatever. I, I said that things can get more complicated, more multidimensional, but when it comes to that kind of interaction, there's really – it's either binary or one-dimensional. Are you spending money and how much? Right. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to, to uh, O'Reilly, and I think this kind of comes to managing your brand and, and, and your perception as well, uh, I think one of the things that was a problem for O'Reilly wasn't – it went beyond losing advertisers mm. because – it also – my understanding is that this also started to affect a large merger deal that uh, ah, Rupert Murdoch was working on. And it, was, it got to the point where it's like other people are saying, look, if this is causing you image problems, it's it's going to impact this much larger deal. Like Bill O'Reilly feels like a big fish on cable TV, but – the the scope of that compared to this deal, he was actually a real small fish, so he he got caught up in the gears of that. I, I don't know the details off the top of my head. I didn't expect to be talking about Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> but uh, that is a perception I got from other things that I've read. So then the point I'm making is people aren't necessarily uh, uh, aware of that one. People don't when when yeah. people are talking about Bill O'Reilly getting in trouble, they're not thinking of a Rupert Murdoch deal in the UK. Right. So what does that say about how Rupert Murdoch and, and, and News Corp has been managing their public right. exposure to this uh, uh, controversy? Hmm. They're managing their own brand. And that's and that yeah. I think that, that comes to circling it back a bit, that comes back to the difference of when you're on an individual level, your personality is your product. That's why it almost by default feels more sincere because you don't have this large apparatus trying to uh, dissociate you from your own controversies. Yeah. And, I mean, and, totally and, that, right. and in turn, looping back in Bill Cosby, I mean, he had multiple shows named after himself, the actor where, that name was not a part of the show. Right. Yeah. yeah he, he wasn't named Cosby in the Cosby show. Yeah. <laughs> no. Huxtable. No. Yeah. He w- the Cosby kids weren't all named Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, and it, it does come down to that. You know, they, they have publicists and, and, 
Um, you know, there's there's publicists out there that are, you know, turnaround publicists where they're fixers and things go, you know, blow up. And I have no doubt that Cosby has one of those. And and but these guys don't. And I mean, they grow up. Yeah, in this. I, I, sorry, but I, I would say Cosby's wasn't good enough to stop him from laughing like Fat Albert when coming out of his trial. Oh, oh my God, that was classic. It was so classic. But, you know, these 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 younger guys, I mean, they're you know, unfiltered. Yeah, they're they're unfiltered, um, and they have this their entire career. It, I mean, I, I, you know, we're seeing this with a president who prefers to be un, unfiltered, and and we're seeing we're, this is a dynamic really that's part of our culture. It, I think the fascinating thing is is sitting on the sidelines and going, you know, does this continue, and what is what does it look like in the, in the future of, um, you know, how people are. I mean, you know, one of the things that those of us who have been working in. Um, you know, in the internet, uh, you know, industries see, you know, how really horrible normal people can be online um, because they're hidden. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been working in video games for a long, long time. And, um, you know, I'll see customers, uh, players put in, in tickets that are just, I mean, horrible. Like, you know, if their family saw the things that they were writing, they would be appalled. I mean, racist, horrible, cursing, abusive. And the funny thing is, um, you know, I've taught people to respectfully push back on that. And um, I would say like 65, 70% of the time, people turn around and actually act better because they've been called out on that behavior. Um, and I don't know if that is if that's going to continue to work for these people who have that are just totally unfiltered and it's worked for them and it's worked for their brand. Hmm. Speaking of the community, I think uh, a while ago I had an experience at a um, an arcade, uh, hmm. and that, that that doesn't necessarily mean it was a long time ago because that arcade is still there, but I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure they don't have a, a Soul Calibur machine there anymore. Oh, <laughs> but. Um, I was playing Soul Calibur. I, I I came in and there's this little kid. I don't know, maybe ten. I'm. It was a long time ago, and I'm a terrible judge of age on, on I hear people. You. But yeah. um, so he was twenty. You know. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. Some some uh, grade school level kind of. Right. I, I, you know, reaching up slightly to get to the controls. Sure. Um, and. He took exception to how I was playing, and just as a little kid turns to me, he's like, that's fucking gay. I'm like, you should watch your mouth. Right, right. You know? it's And that in that instance, I think it was just a little kid in this environment uh, away from adult supervision trying to just sort of exercise a sense of freedom over what they can say. It's like, ooh, it's exciting, I'm using... Uh, dirty language, you know, uh, and I yeah. think I think that sort of aspect permeates some online communities, especially when you mix that with the um, uh, greater internet fuckwad theory. <laughs> right, right. Um, that, that's definitely as the more time goes by, the more I am convinced that that is uh, was a very, very. Uh, um, accurate uh, concept that was presented in Penny Arcade back in the day. Right, yeah, right. I that one. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, the, the one thing that I think we forget, and, and 
because of you know what I do and everything like that, it, it's it's been a a major focus for me is um, words count, right? How you say things count. Um, one analogy that I give to a lot of people is is the word no, and you're having a conversation with somebody, right? And um, you know what what we forget is no is one of the first words that we learn, right? And it has a negative impact, right? Since we were little, little kids. And so you're talking to somebody and, and uh, they're asking you a question or they're asking you, you know, proposing something to you. If you start out uh, your sentence, no, but let's maybe try this. The no resonates and has a visceral effect on people and they, and they literally become defensive and it becomes hard for them to hear the next piece. Versus if you go, I see what you're saying, but maybe we should try it this way because of this. Now they've followed you on on a journey. And, I, you know, I feel kind of like, um, you know, it, part of what we were kind of also talking about is, you know, the full kind of political correctness pushback. Right. And there's a difference. Um, right. It, it, it's, it's a language piece where um, the, the difference is instead of sugarcoating uh, language um, versus not hurting groups of people, you know, who are targeted all the time. So, you know, things like when I when I went back and called out, you know, PewDiePie's use of of like, you know, autism, retard, and, and even you know, you're bringing up the little kid saying gay. They don't they don't understand what that impact means and 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 how that that hurt uh, that can really hurt people. And and I think we all have to learn it. I mean, I, I am not perfect. I used to use uh, some of those words um, in the past. Um, I may even slip up every once in a while and do that, but at least we should be cognizant of how those words affect things. Um, and, and it's especially kind of, I think that's a difference between what PewDiePie uh, does where, you know, he drops these words in and I, and I don't think is, is th- he's playing to that base, right? He's playing to that. We're just normal people. We'll say whatever we want. Um, well, versus- on top of that, on top of that, considering what, like, I'm only aware of this, uh, these couple of instances, but you point out that, that there's been others. So with, with him, there's a trend. Right. And, um, but I think the one difference is like John Trent's thing is, you know, that is a political paradigm that he is spouting out. So that, that there is a, there is a slight difference there to me. Um, uh, not that one is better, one is worse, or we should be nice to PewDiePie and not to John, but, but there are there are different layers of this. I mean, I think it, that's where it comes into that. There is gray areas of in finding out on all this stuff, um, and, but with marketers and everything like that, it's black and white, and they walk away, and, and you destroyed your brand. And um, you know, I, do I think PewDiePie is going away? No, I really don't. I, I think this stuff where like, oh, here's the end of PewDiePie. He will. He has a base that does not mind this stuff. Um, or will go and go, ah, this was the artist, right? I mean, you know, unfortunately, uh, I've I mentioned once before, but, but they do the same thing with, with, with Trump. It's like, ah, he doesn't really mean that stuff. You know, he's going to do the good stuff, right? And and that's what we they see with these influencers as well. Like, uh, you know, I can look past that because what I really care about this, in, in this case, it's the entertainment value. Or maybe not wanting to lose a online friend, which um, that has become a thing, right, is there are people who have – Met and got married over the internet, you know, made made strong friends. And that kind of, friendships are a lot different than they were, um, you know, twenty years ago. I think, uh, uh, you know, pointing out the difference, the differences between John Tron and and uh, PewDiePie here is is definitely valid. But it made me think of um, there are other instances of something like uh, um, an esport player 
I again, I don't remember the names. I don't remember the, the some of the details, but I think it was oh. an Overwatch player got caught on a stream or something like that, just like dropping n bombs straight for thirty seconds, Ugh. and wound up getting cut from his team for unprofesh- un- unprofessional, unprofessional yeah. behavior. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which again points out, it's like okay, you're putting yourself out to public, behave in a professional way, and none of these things will be issues. Right. Right. And you and you said that at the top of the uh, uh, the show is, um, you know, there's a difference between your personal life and, and your public life. But one thing that you've got to remember is if you are a personal brand and it's your name, you're you're never really off the stage. Right. You're always on the stage. People are always watching, you know, whether it's, you know, actors or, you know, the Kardashians or whatever with with paparazzi or, um, you know, gamers who. Uh, you know, they may not be playing their main game or something like that, but they use, again, use their same name, do something like this. And now it, it's a part of them. Um, and, and the hard thing to, 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 to take away from that is like, well, is that who you are? And mm. then if, if that is who you are now, then I have to make a conscious choice of, do I line with that brand? You know? Mm. Huh. And then, and then you can, you can even add more, variables into this where a little bit like the Cosby thing, if someone is a, is a face of the company, um, what is their responsibility and what do they do and how carefully do they have to measure their own stuff? Um, a little bit like Cosby with Jello, Kodak, Diet Coke. Um, one story that came out over the past couple of weeks is a startup called Bodega. Yeah. And for those, for those who aren't familiar with this one, the, the, the story isn't too complex, so I'll just kind of relate it more or less in whole. Uh, I saw a headline is like, oh, these, you know, former Google uh, execs or, or whatever, people from Google, uh, want to put corner stores out of business. And I looked down in the article, and it's like, that looks a lot like a vending machine. And it's this really fancy vending machine. It's got like this glass front. You open it. It's got cameras and and. And it's it's like it's just a shelf, so it like does a thing to know it's you, and you grab something from it, and it charges you for what you took. And it's like all non-perishable stuff and whatever. It's like it's look, it's a really fancy vending machine, right? I'm, and it's not even refrigerated, <laughs> man. They have them uh, in Asia. <laughs> but okay, so they call it Bodega. They basically say we want to put bodegas out of business. Their logo is a cat, which is known to hang around in bodegas. And I'm like, okay, this looks like a fancy vending machine. I scroll down into the comments and, oh, this turned bad really fast. (laughs) Because, um, you know, a whole bunch of people were reacting like, oh, so you want, you know, rich white yuppies to not have to interact with any immigrants or people of color. Like, okay, that one took, that one definitely took a turn. I just thought it was useless. (laughs) But, maybe but they, maybe you have yeah. to live in the Bay Area to be a, a bit more <laughs> get your back up a bit more about it. But when I when or, I looked, or I, New I, York I or just your major uh, metro areas where you have those these little mm. just shops on the corner that you know so it's like a a little coffee corner shop or snack shop or you know a little bit like a, a convenience store but without a gas station attached and you're just kind of crammed into the middle of the thing or something like that. You know. Well, you know, and I. I, I laughed, uh, you know, when you were telling me about this. Um, is I, I find it a confusing subject on, on a couple things. So take as far as like, you know, white people don't want to interact with 
with, uh, you know, ethnic uh, people in, in some form or another. I, I think one thing that should be first is, okay, say it's not called bodega. Say it's called anything else, big metal mach- machine that gives you stuff, right? Um, if you go around, really, um, most airports have something like that now. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you go to uh, Asia, um, it's not just the airports, but all over there are these types of things. So um, I, th- I think, one, they're, they're not reinventing the wheel at all. And so no, I like think- I said, the whole thing just looks like a, it, it looks like a fancy kind of vending machine thing. It's, right. I'm not so impressed. It, it's not a, it's, so it's not a conspiracy theory. Right. So that, that's, I think that's the first thing of like this is not to, you know, uh, taking, you know, specific jobs away. These are guys trying to come up with an idea to make a bunch of money. Um, now, as far as as far as the title and um, and this is and, and I know this this will be controversial. And, and I think one thing that I will clarify is, you know, I am a white middle class man. So I you know, I'm I may not understand. I've, I've tried to talk to people about kind of cultural appropriation. And, and where is the line? Because um, I think this one and also um, uh, the issue that came up, I don't know what was a month ago or something about that, about the uh, uh, the taco truck. Um, where uh, um, people were pushing back um, because it was uh, uh, white people who were selling um, Mexican food out of a truck and it was doing well, but but people didn't like it and thought that that was cultural appropriation. Um, I, I, it's a hard one for me, right? Because to me, integration means appropriating other people's uh, culture. I mean, that's the best thing. Like that's what we, what we want, right? One of the things that is going on in the country, like do we stay a certain way that we thought the, you know, the fifties were just great. And that, you know, that's how it should be forever. Or, or do we go back to the, the, the point of a melting pot? And when you do a melting pot, you, you are appropriating different people's food and, 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 um, dress and, and things like that. Um, you know, I think there are areas that we have to be really careful about that can be truly disrespectful. I think what, you know, one of the interesting ones is the native American headdress and people were wearing it as a costume and didn't realize um, what that means in that culture. So maybe understanding those pieces are important, but just because it's called a bodega, I'm, I don't think that, um, it doesn't feel to me as, as truly cultural appropriation and, um, just simply another gimmick basically, and trying to come up with a, you know, this is like your local bodega, but Hey, you know, it's fast. It's, it's that it's not, we're trying to ignore a certain amount of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why that's why I think it fits into the conversation of managing your brand because there's a bit about you. you know, I mean, you say it's like your local bodega, and from that point of view, it totally makes sense to call it that. Right. It's like, oh, it's just this little convenient thing. I think like if you just called it like a lobby shop or something, like most of this probably would have gone away, especially because the headline. And I don't know if they had any hand in the headlines for this right. or if if they could have prevented uh-huh. it being phrased that way because the headline was they want to put these corner stores out of business which makes it adversarial and confrontational. Ah, well, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that's an interesting point. Um and again, kind of how I, how I mentioned before is 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 words are important. Um you know, were they going after them? Were they, you know, and so that may have been the fight, right? Maybe that's what mm-hmm. I miss, may be missing here. It's like, oh, they they shot the first, um, you know, they called up Bodega, said we wanted to, to get rid of these. Um, 
it can be construed that way. So yeah, when you're looking at it, it looks like they're wrapping themselves in in in. It, you know, you say appropriation, right? Um, and and then at the same time saying the 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 if you want to call it authentic version needs to get out, which would in turn mean all of the immigrants, minorities, or whatever that would be associated with it need to lose their jobs. I mean, it sounds really aggressive like that. Yeah, that piece is aggressive, and and you know what that screams out to me is um, they didn't have a good marketer. <laughs> and that and that's my whole point bringing this up <laughs> right is, is they had it they had a bad marketer who you know didn't really review it didn't think it had because really that's what a what a marketer does great is not it, is thinking those three steps ahead of okay you know what is this name and, and how are we going to roll this out and um you know it, i mean they could have come out going we just want to be your your quick one-stop shop for everything you know in, instead of going aggressive like you mm. said um now the, the thing about i mean calling it bodega i, I think is a very interesting term because that's the other marketing piece like um you know a catchy name is important you know the ubers the lifts the apples you know the google you know you have to have a catchy name and it is a catchy name i i, I mean um i grew up in the midwest um i knew what a bodega was before i got to new york and went to a bodega um, so I, it, it, I don't think it's a horrible thing. Um, but you're right. The marketing, you know, it, yeah. they, they shot themselves in the foot, I think with that one. And, and unfortunately now they have to come back with that. And, and like you said, they hurt their brand. Now, now this is the, the good thing for them. It's it, even though it's small, um, it's not a personal brand so that they can, they, they can, they can work on it and they can, uh, massage it. Yeah. If if they can get a better marketing person in, if they can get yeah. a better marketing person in, <laughs> yeah, maybe they could you know be a little more choosy about the journalist as well. <laughs> that they, right, that they reach out to, you know, it might might be the case that they picked uh, somebody who was going for the clickbaitiest possible angle that, that they could get out of this. I, you, I have no doubt that that's you know that if if they said that the journalist probably jumped on that and knew, oh man, that's gonna be the line. I'm gonna you know. Um, yeah, the clickbait, yeah. totally. <laughs> All right. So one last thing I wanted to to bring up as a bit of a, a food for thought is to swing this back into video games. Is so you have your personality as a brand. You we talked about Joss Whedon and how one person can affect a larger project, but in video games you can still have like this is this one person's thing, like. You know, you put Hideo Kojima's name on a project, people are going to have a certain set of expectations on it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with Hideo Kojima, we more or less know what we're going to get. There's going to be some some interesting ideas and a few things that really make us just hang our heads and shake. It's like, what were you thinking with that one? But, like, we kind of know what we're going to get. She has to breathe through her skin. It's stupid. Uh, <laughs> But, I mean, right now, you can still do stuff to, to impact that. Like, you know, uh, how many people are really going to feel good about, like, I, I think they're working really hard to, to um, uh, revitalize things with No Man's Sky. But right now, exactly how good does, is Sean Murray's reputation among the public? Or, you know, if you say Peter Molyneux, what, what, what do game players think? Um, I mean, hell, on Guru Larry's videos, it's a running gag where he he digs on Peter Molyneux. 
Oh yeah, um, yeah, I've seen and, that. And, and I'll even say, and, and it and it circles back into the business thing. It's not just a perception thing for the public, for your consumers, because that part starts impacting the business, and it'll start impacting what sort of business relationships you can forge on the back end. I, I yeah. will say that I have been in a position where, and I, I was at best tangentially associated with this, but the concept of working with Peter Molyneux came up, and I was like, I don't think that would be a good idea. He doesn't exactly have the best reputation among the consumers. So, I mean, right. that's a point where it just shows, and I suppose that should even count as the war story for this episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just saw this thing. It was like, oh, it, it's this thing from Peter Molyneux's company. And like, oh, um, I just came up as like, are we actually talking about working with them? <laughs> well, yeah, we're we're in these these uh, talking stages. Like, uh, you know, he doesn't have a great reputation. That might not be a good idea. I mean, it, it actually gets to the point where it's pissing off consumers now. Right. Yeah. It, it's interesting in a. I think in an era, you know, particularly a, a crowdfunding era, where the separation between the consumer dollars and the personalities that are pushing the products is less than it was before. Mm -hmm. You're not like. Think about it. How many times did Peter Molyneux get to do the Peter Molyneux thing before it became the meme that it is now? Yeah, and what was the big turn? The big turn was Goddess. Yeah. Mm. It, it, I, it wasn't Fable. I mean, people got pissed off on the cycle with the Fable games. Yeah. But right. Goddess was the one where it like it, it just went up massive because people were personally invested yep. and not just in terms of their emotions but in terms of their finances. Yeah. And that's that's rule number one. Do not fuck with the money. Right. Yeah. You, you don't get multiple bites at the cherry if if you screw people over directly like like that. Like the 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 whole mighty number no. nine thing. I don't think that guy gets another Kickstarter again. Who's going to give no. him another chance after that? And you know. and okay, uh, this is getting off on a whole other topic, and maybe this will be just a, a, a another thing we revisit another time. But you know, when you start getting into Kickstarter stuff. It, it gets into the funny thing of public perception of how much it does cost to make a game. Mm -hmm. And that's one where Tim Schafer, like, freaking dunk, just absolutely slammed a guy who was like, you have this much money, why can't you make this game? And Tim oh, Schafer yeah. actually just laid, it out. Uh, laid out what the yeah. costs were. It's like, that's actually really low for making a game because, yep. okay, you're going to be paying, the, like, a, a, an engineer, like, $120,000 a year. You right. have 10 engineers. Okay, that's $1.2 For two years, that's $2.4 like, right there. And that's just engineers. And that's just engineers. It's not the building. That's yeah. not software licenses and hardware, US marketing, guys, art. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, um, I, so so the whole the whole Kickstarter thing when a lot of people are like, okay, give us enough to make a tech demo. Give us enough to or like the I never remember the name of the guy who's make the the Castlevania guy oh. making <laughs> the the absolutely not Castlevania. His whole Kickstarter was okay. The game's pretty much done. Uh, we'd like a, a bit of ener uh, extra money to add extra power-ups and levels and character, like adding extra stuff. And in public perception, it, it screws with what people think it takes to make a game, which in turn puts so uh, something like Peter Molyneux and Goddess kind of behind the eight ball, although he was very well-funded and they hit all their stretch goals. But that's the point where, again, you have to be like really upfront and open with people. Like, and if specific. your brand were openness and honesty about all of this stuff, then that would 
alleviate a lot of these problems. It can be tough, though, you know, um, especially working in in the uh, uh, free to play realm um, and, uh, you know, going through these things of how how transparent can you be? And and I think, yeah, there are things that you can be um, transparent about and and should be as, as much as you possibly can. But there are, you know, there's the the secret sauce behind that you really you can't give away and shouldn't give away. And monetization strategies, um, you know, uh, are never going to be exactly what a customer wants. Um, and you know, the brand has to figure out, okay, what can we do to make the money that we need to run this business? And you're right, like you know, the the company that uh, I I work for now, I, I hear people. I see on Facebook like you're making a billion dollars a year and you should be able to do all this. And it's like <laughs> that is that is not the case. Man. Like or or the, the misconception. And this is my favorite misconception. I've been using this um, for for like two decades and trying to explain to somebody um, fixing code is is you wouldn't think so. But it's organic. You fix something over here. It can break something over here that doesn't seem related. And it's not just pushing a red button. And then something's fixed. It's not that people don't want it. The <laughs> people in the games industry don't have a make good game button. Yeah. If we did, we would be a whole lot more richer and a lot more stable industry. And, and um, you know, we would all love that. And if someone can invent that button, you will be the richest person around. So please do. <laughs> but even going back to kind of, um, you know, these these big names in, um, uh, in, in the industry – you know, one of the things that I think that I I found, um, in a, you know, it's the old saying that that uh, don't meet your idols um, because they're human beings. Um, and you know, you go back to a lot of these guys, and, and I and I have met some really really famous um, designers and engineers, and and you know, people who put together some of the you know biggest games that I've loved in my life. And then you meet them, and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, and. <laughs> And um, not because they're certainly bad people all the way, but just, again, I didn't didn't really love them. It wasn't the experience that I'd hoped for and, and everything like that. Um, but I think if you go back to their people and make mistakes, okay, I can I can let that go depending on how bad that that you know mistake is. And, and um, you know, it's, sometimes it's more than others. You know, there's there's been a couple out there where I'm like, oh, man, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to deal with their games uh, anymore. And then there are others like uh, he he said something really stupid and it pissed me off. But I still love playing this game, so I'm playing the game. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's drawing that line. But yeah, don't sometimes don't meet your heroes is probably the best thing you can do unless you've chosen the best heroes. And maybe that's you know maybe the more important question of you know uh, do that. But then who knows down the road? You know, we we brought up Cosby, who for general, I mean, at least publicly for generations was known as this amazing guy, you know, gave money back to, um, uh, uh, you know, African-Americans and, and supported uh, schools and, and, you know, we're really trying to get people to focus. And then you find out all these horrible things, you know, that they've been hidden for years. So, you know, it's just, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, again, that comes back to, are you separating the art from the artist? Right. What's the business? And, you know, is that the public face versus the private face and all of that? So, yeah. And I think with that, we can kind of put a pin in this one. It was a great conversation. Thanks, guys. Definitely, gentlemen. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, thanks for joining us this week for Behind the Line Radio. Uh, if there's anything you'd like to see me write about on the Behind the Line article series or hear us talk about on the Behind the Line Radio 
podcast here, you can always uh, email me at kinetic at enthusiacs.com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiacs.com. Or follow me on Twitter at Kinetic Knows. So uh, thanks for joining me, Chris. Thank you, sir. Or joining us, rather. Sorry. And uh, and Jeff, um, <laughs> is there anything you got coming up on uh, Point Streak you'd like to share with people? Uh, we just recorded uh, uh, an episode that we'd been uh, talking about for a long time, just our personal uh, – had a few guests on talk about their personal top five games of all time. It's one of those topics right. that cool. we were bouncing around for a long time and just – between the initial arguments that derailed the conversation about the criteria <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, like things like no early access, like, you know, <laughs> you put an early access game in your top five games of all time. We're just sorry. That's uh, that's beyond the pale. But, uh, yeah, no, that, we, we finally we finally uh, recorded it last night and that'll be up uh, in the not too distant future. Beautiful. It also seems like one of those uh, topics you can keep revisiting with other people, too. So. Yeah, that's an evergreen one. <laughs> heck yep. yeah, heck yeah. All right. Well, thanks again to my guests. Thanks all for joining us. We'll see you all next time, everybody. Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter, at Enthusiacs. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiacs, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiacs. Enthusiacs.